She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 11. Eve. Hey, happy Guy Fox Day. Hey, cool, Guy Fox Day. Yeah, and on a related note, the election, wow, who saw that coming? I know, oh my gosh, who could believe yeah. that would happen? Yeah, I mean, we didn't because we're recording this like a month before the election. Right, So, and honestly, when this airs, I'd be surprised if the results were even like finalized yet, so. Yeah, but definitely vote. I mean, even if Trump is dead, because he wasn't faking it, you should still vote. And anyway, episode 11, Eve. That has a lot of E's and V's in it, especially since I decided to spell out 11. Well, it is. It's 11 Eve. Yeah. Episode Eve 11. Eve. Eve. Oh, is, is there an Eve 11? We don't know. There might be. But Ooh. we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are, and there probably yeah. is. Maybe, yeah. Although you think she would have, well, okay, and no, zip it. All right. <laughs> All right. So this episode was written by Kenneth Biller and Chris Brancato, and it was directed by Fred Gerber. It was filmed in Vancouver and White Rock, British Columbia. Its original air date was Friday, December 10th, 1993. And it had a viewership of 10.4 million in the United States, which is definitely an improvement over last episode's numbers, which weren't really its fault. So I was right. I was right. Good job, Fallen Angel. Yeah, Fallen Angel was a good episode, so I can see why people would come back. Yeah. However, on this one, we've got writers we've not had before and won't have again. We've got a director we haven't had before and we won't have again. And the last episode aired on November 19th, but this one aired on December 10th, so we've got missing time. I have some concerns. Huh. I don't. <laughs> okay, fine. Jeez. I don't share those concerns. But that's because I, right. this is one of the episodes I had on DV, or VHS, and I definitely remember it better than some of the other ones, so I'm less worried. You're just like killing all the suspense. Sorry. For this episode. Yeah, I'm not good at suspense. Okay. I mean, I can be if I try. But all right. Spoiler city. I don't know. <laughs> but we did have two weeks where we didn't have X-Files, or did we? Yeah, so I guess on November 26th, Fox did a thing called Night at the Movies, and they showed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, which I actually oh. saw in theaters with my brothers. We probably watched it when it aired on Fox that night because nothing else was on, so cool. Yeah, I've actually never seen it, but I mean, sadly, it did get higher viewership than Shadows or Fallen Angel. Oh, no. So, yeah. Well, what about know. What about the week after? And then the week after, on December 3rd, they just ran a rerun, and they showed Squeeze. Oh. So does that mean that maybe instead of doing this episode, we should actually repeat our Squeeze episode? And I can actually plug my mic in, which would be super cool, because it's really embarrassing, because actually Squeeze is our most popular episode so far, and it's the one where I sound awful. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway. But we're not counting reruns, so... No, we're not. not. do that. It does seem weird that they would repeat Squeeze before they repeated Pilot, though, because this is the first rerun of The X-Files that's ever aired. Yeah, I wonder if it was just because that was a really engaging episode. I mean, Pilot's really good, too, but maybe they thought this is kind of weird and scary and it'll draw more people in. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not like it was a two-hour pilot. It was a one-hour. So it just seems weird they would, like, the first rerun would be 
the third episode, but anyway. Yeah, I don't know how they make those decisions. So, this episode. (laughs) So, this episode, Eve. A man is murdered by exsanguination, and the only witness is his eight-year-old daughter. Mulder thinks there might be a connection to the exsanguination of cows across the country, which are often tied to UFO phenomena. But then a second murder is done using the exact same method across the country, which sends Mulder and Scully searching for answers. So it's aliens or vampires. Might be vampires. Alien vampires. If alien vampires would be They had alien vampires on Buck Rogers in the 25th century. So I mean, have alien vampires. Alien vampires would be pretty badass. Yeah. I mean, not if they were real. That would be. No, if they were real, that'd be terrifying. But yeah, as a plot concept, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I have to say, exsanguination is a big word. It is a big word. And you said it twice. Well, you know, I'm into vampires, so it's a word I say a lot. Okay. All right. Cool. So. We are in Greenwich, Connecticut. A little girl is standing at the edge of her driveway, clutching her stuffed animal. It's a bunny. And two of the neighbors are jogging by, and they're like, what is she doing outside? So they go over there, and they ask her. Her name is Tina. They're like, Tina, where's your dad? And she says, he's in the yard. He needs some time to himself. And they're like, you're freezing. So the male of the group, because it's a woman and a man, probably husband and wife jogging. He's like, well, I think his time is up. So they go to get him and he's sitting with his back to them on a swing set. And he's like, Hey, the swing is for the kids. Come on, Joel. What's going on? And he touches Joel and Joel goes, Oh, and he falls over his head tilts and he's got his face is all gray. And he's got two vampire holes in his neck. And his daughter goes, ah, and so the lady clutches the little girl like, oh, my God. And he's like, I got to call 911. So he runs to the house. And there we go. Alien vampires. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty obvious. What else could it be? Yeah. Oh, and we get theme song, obviously. Yeah. You know? Oh, she goes, because she goes, daddy. And then we get the theme song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely alien vampires. <laughs> Yeah. Should be pretty quick to solve this one since it's or maybe just I mean we don't know maybe just vampires yeah. although they would be daywalkers because yeah because it's like midday it's like afternoon it's kind of gray out though so depending oh, on yeah how that affects them anyway now we're getting off topic <laughs> I will always talk about vampires just give the signal so then we're at FBI headquarters and Scully is reading the autopsy report on Joel Simmons he's the dude that was on the swing and is now dead. She says he lost four liters of blood and his eight-year-old daughter was away from him for like eight to 10 minutes. So there wasn't a a long period for someone to attack him. And there's no evidence at the scene other than these two puncture wounds in the man's jugular. Mulder asks Scully if she's familiar with the phenomena of cattle mutilation. And of course he pulls out his favorite slide projector again. And he has just slides loaded up of cows that have been drained of blood. Because I guess he needs to be ready. But wasn't for... he like? Wasn't he like pulling slides out of like a file box while she was talking? He probably he, was. I, I, yeah. I think he was loading his. I think he was loading it. Yeah. <laughs> he was loading his slides before. Well, she. He's like, oh, I've got something yeah. for this. He yeah. always has something for this. It's pretty hilarious. And so then he says, like, exsanguination of like the animals. They just stick a needle right in the jugular, and it's really easy to bleed them out. So it'd be easy to do that to a person. And the man also had traces of a drug in his system that would keep him kind of passive for that sort of attack. 
Scully notes that the X-Files' cattle mutilation is tied to UFO activity, and she asks why aliens would travel all this way to play doctor on cows. And Mulder says, it's for the same reason we cut up frogs. Besides, they seem to have stepped up their interests. Yep. Uh, it's interesting. She says, oh, well, this X-File says they're related to UFO activity. Like, he just said that. Were you not listening to him? Right. Well, I think she's just pointing it out because she's like, hmm, UFOs again, Mulder? Really? Everything comes I mean, back to UFOs with that guy. Yeah. I mean, she also buries the lead because she, like, reads the entire, well, she doesn't read the entire autopsy report, as I will say later as well. And then she's like, oh, and there were two small puncture wounds on his jugular. Like, right. And, and there were animals in his blood, too, we didn't notice. Like, she's always, like, burying, like, the important information. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I get it. Oh, Scully. I like Mulder's joke, though. He's like, I guess the guy was running on empty. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's when he was loading his projector. I think yeah. he was putting slides in there when he was saying that. Yeah. yeah. But then also, she's like, how could he just sit through a bloodletting like that? And Mulder's like, well, the Emmy found traces of digitalis. Like, Scully, you have the report right in front of you. You did not read the whole thing. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's exposition to get the plot out there for us, but it is kind of silly because she is the one holding the report. So yeah. The jump to cattle mutilations seems a little to me like going from like you know cattle mutilations to like vampire marks in someone's neck and all their blood drained is a little but like no one mentions vampires at all like this is 1993 vampires were probably more of a thing in popular culture than cattle mutilations at this point so i agree that but, they absolutely were vampires were really big and like interview with the vampire came out in november of 1994 in theaters obviously the book had been out for a while so i think that was starting to hype up and like well and bram stoker's dracula came out in october of 92 right so it was just kind of like a big time for vampires which occasionally happens like periodically but i think the reason why they don't go to vampires is that Mulder's is all about the weird and the spooky but i think and I don't think he wouldn't believe in vampires. I think I he say, would. Are you saying vampires aren't weird and spooky? <laughs> I mean, some of them aren't. <laughs> I guess it depends on which one. But we didn't have glittery vampires in 1993. So. I mean, Lestat wore a lot of glitter. Let's be honest. That dude was pretty sparkly. I don't know that he wore glitter. Uh, he, I mean, he, didn't start glow- he didn't start glowing until he was Queen like of the Damned. 80s glam rock. Come on. That was like yeah, Sparkle that doesn't, that doesn't, City. That doesn't mean glitter. Anyway. Okay. I think he would wear glitter. Anyway, that's <laughs> that's a whole other podcast like vampires i think the reason why no one mentions vampires in this one i think Mulder would believe in vampires if he were presented with the evidence but he is so focused on like ufos and aliens that i think that's just where he goes automatically and scully's not going to go to vampires like that's not going to be her leap at all she's going to go to some medical professional like jack the ripper who's like killing people with weird methods and he's going to go to ufos so just neither of them are primed to like jump to vampires okay i do notice too the the marks are like horizontal in the dude's neck they're not like you know up and down like you normally get with like a vampire bite although i have seen some bad vampire movies where they do that too they put them horizontal which you'd have to like unhinge your jaw to do that right but then like the explanation of like there are punctures in the jugular. I don't think my jugular vein does a zigzag right there and goes horizontal at any part of my neck. Yeah. So whether they were trying to avoid vampires by making them that direction, but then it kind of messes up the whole jugular thing. But Probably. Anyway, I wouldn't be surprised because they definitely weren't going for like I, I, when I was a kid and I liked this episode, I'm sure the first time I saw it, I thought vampires too. Cause I was super into vampires. Yeah. Cause why wouldn't you? Um, they got two holes in their neck. Vampires, right. hello. <laughs> I Boom. Think, but again, I think Mulder is more that person who's going to go straight to any UFO connection first. 
So I think that's okay. what it is. Mm. <laughs> anyway, probably like a big vampire cover up that Deep Throat's not giving any information on. Well, see, so. you know, that's that's a higher level of clearance. Oh, <laughs> He's got to get past that level five. There might be, even be like a whole different numbering system for like the vampire department. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's knows? some other poor guy in another basement office. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, so then we cut to Fairfield County Social Services Hostel in Greenwich, Connecticut. So same town, different location. And Tina's in a room with her rabbit. And the social worker is taking Mulder and Scully upstairs and telling her that her mother died of ovarian cancer a few years ago. And so she's an orphan now because her dad is dead, right? So they go and see Tina and Scully asks her if she saw any strangers at their house, if anyone had ever yelled at her dad, you know, just kind of very like, you know, keeping it kind of low key for the kid thing. She's like, no. So then Mulder asked her if he can talk about what happened. He like compliments her bunny and he asked her if she's seen any lights in the sky. So not leading anywhere there, Mulder. <laughs> and she's like, there was red lightning, but she can't remember much else. But she knows that the men from the clouds were after her dad. And he's like, oh. And she says that they were after him because they wanted to exsanguinate him. And then Scully's phone rings. And she tells Mulder that there's been another murder. Right. Yeah. So, so Tina, Tina plays Mulder like a violin. Right. Well, because yeah. the minute he starts asking about, like, lights, she knows exactly what he's talking about and just plays mm -hmm. into that for sure. Yeah. And exsanguinate is a pretty big word for an eight-year-old. Like, I'm not saying I didn't know it when I was – I definitely knew it when I was, like, 11 or 12. I don't know if I knew it when I was eight. It's not like mm -hmm. she couldn't. It's just kind of weird. Maybe. Also, Scully wears an awesome purple coat. Like, I want that coat so badly. It is amazing. Is it the color or the style? It's like both. Like, I like the style, and I love that color purple, and I just want it. Okay, because I think her coat from Fallen Angel is a better trench coat. Yeah, probably. Like, style-wise. Because this one is, like, style-wise, I don't care for it. I get the color, but I don't get. I don't like the style. Yeah. But she apparently has multiple, because she wears a different trench coat later, and then she goes back to the purple one. So she's 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 got some luggage when they travel. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So then we go to the other murder, and it's the Reardon family crime scene. <laughs> the Reardon family scene. That sounds awful. The Reardon family crime scene. This is the Reardon crime scene in Marin County, California, where my grandparents oh, used to live. So other, like the entire other side of the country. Right. So Connecticut, yeah. Marin County is like north of San Francisco. Scully and Mulder arrive at the Reardon's backyard, and Mulder says it looks like a mirror image of the other scene. And it kind of does. Like there's a swing set in the yard. It's a very nice backyard behind a nice house. I mean, the, it's a nice house with a swing set. Yeah, I mean, like the other one. That's not necessarily spooky. I'm sure there's lots of nice houses with swing sets. Right. But, but I think it's just that the crime scenes are so similar that he's pointing out, like, fancy neighborhoods. He's leading us like he led Tina <laughs> in the questioning. Anyway. Uh, the victim died the same way with puncture wounds in his neck. He died at 2.30 p.m., which is three hours earlier than Joel, which is Tina's dad. Except Mulder points out that because of the time zones, it's actually the exact same time. So they basically <sighs> died at the exact same moment. So Scully theorizes it might be the work of serial killers working together. But Mulder points out that that's super rare. And that when serial killers do actually pair up and work together, they always kill together. Like it's never like, I'm going to kill this person here and you kill this person here. It's always like a, a team effort. And so they wouldn't work like together 3,000 miles apart. That's like unheard of. 
And like with Joel Simmons, Doug Reardon's daughter was there when he died also. And according to the police report, she also remembers nothing. But then Mulder's like, well, I bet she'll remember Red Lightning. Hmm. Maybe. So we might have like some quantum alien vampires <laughs> and they can be oh, in two man. places at once. Yeah. So then we go back to the Fairfield County Social Services Hostel. Which I'd say when we first did this, I missed somehow I missed the Fairfield County Social Services Hostel because I thought it was really weird in the previous scene that like her bedroom door had like a hole in it so you could look through it. I was like, dude, who does that to their kid's room? But it's a it's a hostel for, right, like, for kids. And so I like, okay, that makes more sense. So, right. Because they want to be able like, to check on them without disturbing them if they're sleeping. Yeah, because it still was like a it was a pretty nice looking building. So I thought it was just their house. Like they were just keeping her in her house and just having like social workers live in the house while which would be weird as well. But anyway, I just wanted to say that because I didn't say it earlier. I just thought it was weird. Her bedroom door had a hole in it, but it didn't have a hole in it. Anyway, so we're back at Fairfield County Social Services Hostel, except now it's 12.35 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, just in case you didn't get confused with all this. <laughs> Time so, zones are hard. Yeah, so Tina's in bed with her stuffed bunny again, and she loves that stuffed bunny, man. She always has it. And it's rainy and stormy outside, and she hears something, and she gets up, and she hears like creaking on the stairs and then she sees something outside of her door. So she like goes and she puts a chair under the doorknob and then she's trying to get out the window. But since it's actually not her house, it's a hostel. They don't want kids just like jumping out the windows. So they're like barred and then like locked. You can't get out of them. Right. So she actually goes and hides under the bed. Not probably much better, but anyway, and then the door busts open like chairs on the doorknobs apparently don't work. Didn't work for Lauren in shadows doesn't work for tina here in eve but then like there's no one there she doesn't see anybody like the door just busts open there's no one there so she decides to crawl out from under the bed and then someone grabs her boom and she's like ah and then some nurse starts running up the stairs like where were you before nurse lady but she runs in and she's like tina 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 and the balcony door is wide open and that's a fancy hostel because it's like a like, like a landing outside the balcony and everything anyway and her bunny <laughs> is like on the ground in the rain right gone and i'm just gonna put a pin in this right here and we're gonna come back to this at the end because this scene is really weird in retrospect okay to because me. she has her bunny later right the pa on this that's show that's exactly awful. it no awful <laughs> god this pa to hire someone else so anyway pin and then Mulder and Scully talk about the kidnapping as they arrive at the Rudin's house the next day. So they're still across the country in Marin, but they've obviously heard about this kidnapping. And Scully's like, well, someone must have been afraid she saw something. And so that's why they took her. And they knock on the Rudin's door and a little girl answers. And she looks exactly like Tina, like exactly. And they're like, Tina? And she's like, no. And it's Cindy Rudin. Yeah, she's like, I was, I've lived here since I was born. Like, don't be busting me, cops. I'm, right. I'm innocent. <laughs> Again, weird thing to say, but you know, okay, sure. Yeah, I think it's funny they're talking about the abduction or the kidnapping, whatever you want to call it, because Mulder keeps saying abduction and Scully keeps correcting him to kidnapping, and he's like, potato, potato. But that happens later. But he's like, she's like, they, you know, they locked everything down, but they ha we haven't been able to find anything. And he's like, they were looking in the wrong direction. And he's like, pointing at the sky. Because, <laughs> aliens and see so. everything comes to aliens with Mulder <laughs> everything always yeah yeah 
That's his good. Anyway, so Mulder and Scully are in the house, in the Reardon house, and they're going to talk to her mother. And Cindy's watching, she was watching cartoons, and I know that cartoon, but I can't think of what it is at the moment. I recognized it, but I cannot think of what it is. I did not, not like, recognize it. So. Yeah. But but then she changes from cartoons to watch the news. There's like, like she's watching like C-SPAN or something. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, her mom, Ellen, she brings them some coffee, and Scully asked her if Cindy was adopted. Because they're like, this is the same kid that we just saw. <laughs> right. um, she hasn't she hasn't mentioned that yet, but and she's like, no, I, I gave birth to her. I can like show you the videos if you want. And so Scully presses and asking if she's had all the proper documentation, and she's like, what? And Cindy's kind of like listening to all this and like, you know, getting kind of a interesting look on her face. And her mom is like starting to get upset, you know, yeah, because yeah. you're saying like, it's not my daughter, right? Rightfully so. So, yeah. so then Scully pulls out a photo. And says, would you look at this? And it's a picture of Joel and Tina. And Ellen's like, who is this man with my daughter? Like, did they do something to Cindy? And she's like, no, no, no. This is not your daughter. This is a man who was killed at the same manner as your husband, Doug. And this is his daughter. And then I don't remember if it's Scully or if it's Mulder who asks about in vitro fertilization. And it turns out, like, yeah, they'd been having trying to have a kid for like eight years, and they finally did in vitro fertilization. So, right. Ding, 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 ding. The scene was really weird for me, though, because Ellen Reardon, the actress who plays Ellen Reardon, looks a lot like, like, really looks a lot like someone that I know and have worked with. Oh, really? And so it was kind of like, whoa, um, yeah. That's so that's ironic, kind of, given the content of the episode that this person yeah. looked like someone you know. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So outside, Scully asks Mulder if he still thinks it's aliens, given that, like, these two girls are basically, they look like identical twins. And she says that they don't necessarily have to be biologically related. Some people just look similar. It happens. They do look really, really similar, but it happens. And Mulder points out that they both also watch their fathers get exsanguinated, and he liked the odds on that in Vegas, because, like, what are the odds that two people would look that similar and then have the exact same experience? And she gets a really weird look on her face when he says that. I don't know what that look was supposed to be, but it was a really weird look. Maybe she's, like, not into gambling. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. And since one of the girls has been kidnapped, Mulder's like, well, we better keep an eye on the one we know where she is, obviously, keep her safe. So he's going to, like, stake out the house and keep watch. And Scully says she'll get someone from the San Francisco Bureau Department to come relieve him so that he doesn't have to do a stakeout, like, constantly. And then she's going to head to the reproductive center where they got the in vitro to kind of ask some questions. Yeah, because they're sneaky. So Mulder, because Mulder, as usual, Mulder's driving, right? Right. And so, like, they they drive away from the house, and then he, like, just stops. They get, like, down the block, and he stops, and he gets out. And so it's like, I'm going to keep an eye on her. And so Scully, thankfully, this time didn't get mad. She has to drive. But No, yeah. she'll... She's okay. <laughs> she understands the importance of keeping a kid safe, I think. So, and this is kind of a tangent, but like funny stories. When I was around this age, I had an internet friend named Amanda and she lived in Wisconsin. And this is like, we were on AOL Messenger and stuff, but this is before modems were really fast. And so you couldn't really load photos very easily. And you also couldn't get photos to your computer, like into your computer, like scanners weren't like readily available. And so we sent each other letters. Hmm, where's the story going? <laughs> we sent each other letters and we included photos of ourselves. And when Amanda got my letter, she showed the photo to her mom. And her mom was like, when did you take this picture? 
And she's like, no, that's not me. And she's like, what do you mean this isn't you? This is you. And she's like, no, no, that's my friend Victoria from California. And she's like, no, it's not. And so she, her mom called my mom. <laughs> It was like, did your daughter send my daughter a photo? Because they look super similar. And was like super freaked out by it. And so then I showed my mom the photo Amanda had sent me. And we did look really, really similar. But we're also... Well, she should have been freaked out because you guys are a eugenics experiment, obviously. <laughs> but like, we were two white girls of the same age who liked thick black eyeliner and hot topic. And so like, we had brown hair, like... Of course, we're going to look similar in the right lighting or right photograph. We like both wore sweatshirts. Like, you know, anyway, it's funny because when Scully was talking about how people sometimes look similar, I totally thought of that. And Amanda and I did actually meet when we were like 18. She came out to California and we did not actually look like identical twins or anything. And I have since lost touch with her. So Amanda, if you're listening to this, hi, hope you're well. Hope everything's going awesome. Yeah, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit on the eugenics, but hey, that's okay. that stopped us from doing anything. So, but I mean, we maybe we to... were twins secretly. I don't know. I was convinced Ooh. for a while. We're not. <laughs> Dad's been messing around. Anyway, so <laughs> we're at the Luther State Center for Reproductive Medicine. So Scully is talking to Dr. Katz and asks if a patient could accidentally receive someone else's egg without their knowledge. And Dr. Katz says, no, especially not here. We're, you know, duh, 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 duh. And she asked if Joel Simmons and his wife were patients. And he's like, well, that information is, you know, confidential. We don't give information out. And she's like, well, their daughter's been kidnapped and they're both dead. So we might want to look at their files. So he's like, oh. So next we cut to a scene. They're sitting at the desk and Scully's looking through the files. And they had been patients there nine years ago. And they worked under Dr. Sally Kendrick. And right when Scully says that, he goes like, uh, and he's like puts his head down and Scully's like what and he's like Dr. Kendrick was nothing but a problem right. so we cut to a video of Dr. Sally Kendrick and she's doing like a promo video for like the clinic and she had been yeah. a resident at the clinic and she like was apparently like super like high flying she like did like her doctorate and all this kind of stuff in biogenetics and she got her you know MD at a certain age so like she was like really you know advanced basically and they were like super happy to have her but then it turned out that they think she might have been tampering with the genetic material before implantation in patients and was experimenting with eugenics so they fired her and cats requested an investigation Scully was like well what happened he's like well she was censured but she wasn't like she didn't lose her license or anything and the investigation was denied and dr kendrick vanished right so I was a little disappointed because I tried to find if Luther Stapes, because it's Luther Stapes Center for Reproductive Medicine, if that was like something. And the only thing I could find was like, besides like random social media pages for people named Luther Stapes, was references to this episode. So I was kind of hoping for more. Kind of disappointed that they didn't like, you know, give that little extra oomph with the name. But oh. yeah, that would have been cool. It's a good opportunity to use something, but I guess they didn't take it. Yeah. So Scully brings the video to the hotel to show Mulder, and so she plays it for him. And as it's playing, she tells him that Kendrick was experimenting at the clinic, and Mulder suggests that she might be trying to erase the results now, which is why she's kidnapping these kids. Scully thinks that's probably right, and Sally Kendrick is the obvious suspect here. So they get a phone call, and Scully picks up, and it's all clicks, 
and then it goes dead. And then Mulder suddenly gets all like, okay, well, gotta go, good night, like, just super out of nowhere. And so he's like, I gotta sleep on it, and, like, rushes Scully out of his room, and she's like, dude, what the heck? Like, do you have a date coming or something? What's going on? Because she, like, he like kicks her out he's like all right like, gotta no, go to sleep. Like, I, I want to watch something on tv or look at the time it's time for you to get the heck out of my room it <laughs> just like yeah. shoves her out yeah. with the clicks i kind of thought like they were being like when we had clicks previously right it was because people were like badly tapping Mulder's line <laughs> so that's what i thought of at first but no so it turns out it was deep throat because <gasps> we cut to Mulder at a marina and deep throat is there and he tells Mulder all about the Litchfield experiment. Well, first he tells Mulder that he just came because they thought maybe they could go see a Warriors game. So he's be very jokey, Deep Throat, in this episode. <laughs> very, very congenial, jokey, Deep Throat. But he's, so he tells Mulder about the Litchfield experiments. They were a highly classified project, and all records have since been destroyed. And anyone who worked on it that's still alive will just say, I don't know what you're talking about. So in the early 50s, the U.S. apparently got wind that Russia was trying to make super soldiers. A little late in the 50s because Captain America, 1930s. But anyway, so naturally the U.S. was like, oh, oh, we got to get on this. They started an experiment and created a group of genetically modified children. They had boys and the boys were named Adam. Very creative. (laughs) And the girls were named Eve. Also very creative. And he tells Mulder that there is a woman that they should meet and he'll arrange it and make sure they have access to see her. Right. I think it's so funny that like Deep Throat's just like popping up across the country. Like it makes sense when they're in DC or nearby, but like he flew 3000 miles to Marin County to like meet Mulder at some weird Marina. Maybe he was there for a Warriors game. Maybe. But I mean, it's it's cheaty exposition is what it is. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. But granted, I, I really can't think of a way for them to get all this information into the episode given the time constraints. So oh, they had 100%. to do something. Like I can't think of any way that like they could, you know, find out about it. Like there's so many steps that would have to be involved. It was like they had to figure it out. So it's it like, works. Oh, we got this guy who gives Mulder tips about stuff. Let's use him. Right. So. And I'm never sad to see Deep Throat. So it's not like, oh man, what a bummer. But it is just kind of funny that he's just there. <laughs> Yeah. All the way across the country? Sure, why not? Um, and obviously too. the Litchfield They were on fire in 1993. Is... What? I don't know. I said it's the Warriors. They were on, they were on fire in 1993. <laughs> is the Warriors... Is, is the that... Golden State Warriors? That's basketball, basketball. I, yeah. Okay. I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It could be like golf. I have no idea. I don't pay attention to sports. So. I'm not super... I mean, yeah. I like sports, but I'm not like up on it, so I never know like what's going on. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I live in California, so I'm kind of yeah. Golden State Warriors. So Cool. And obviously the Litchfield experiment is fictional, but the U.S. has actually done some pretty terrible things. Um, there's been a lot of, I can't remember the name of them, but there have been some awful experiments done particularly well, I mean, like on the like, Tuskegee experiments. Yeah, that's, just, that's the one I was thinking of, and I could not remember yeah. the name. But like where they do terrible, terrible things to people of color, and it's just... So it's yeah. not out well, of not the just, realm. Not just people of color, though, because, True. I mean, let's, like, this is like, oh, in the 50s, the U.S. got wind of the Russians doing things. So let's do stuff. I mean, one, again, Captain America, 1930s, super soldier program, right? So right. obviously pre-1950s. But in reality, the National Socialist Party in Germany actually looked to eugenics experiments in the United States that occurred in the late 19th and early 20th century. So, like, 
it isn't like the Nazis started doing that stuff on their own. They actually oh, no. learned it from us. They did learn it then, from us. Yeah, yeah, and then we kept doing it as well. Yes. So, yeah. And so um, we, yeah, so it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that the government would do something like this. Yeah. And, like, I'm guessing Deep Throat called Mulder back at some point to let him know where to meet him. Oh, he's totally, like, slipping notes under his door. <laughs> Yeah, he's paying some courier to like slip a manila envelope under the door. Yeah, Scully picks up a phone. It was a couple of clicks, and then I know to meet Deep Throat in a whole different part of the country at the marina. Right. Yeah. All right. So then we end up at the Whitting Institute for the Criminally Insane, which sounds like something out of Batman, to be honest. Arkham Asylum. I know. I was like, come on, it's a little little. Little Gotham City. Mulder and Scully check in at the desk and they say, we're here to see Eve 6. And they have to hand over their firearms and they have to sign a waiver and then also they have to sign for panic buttons. Which, I'll be honest, panic buttons, I mean, maybe in 1993, like when I worked for the state in a kid's home, we had panic buttons. Oh, yeah. Like in a drawer. So it's not like they're like super like, oh my god, a panic button. But anyway. No, it's just a little, yeah. you know, scary. It's like, oh, it's, it's meant to be like, oh. I mean, in the episode, here. they're like, what do we need these for? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and Scully is clearly more dubious, especially because, like, they have to, it's like, it's basically set up like a prison, so they have to be locked in once they get inside, and so it's mm-hmm. a little scary. The door locks behind them. And the institution is like, I- I've never been in one of these, so I'm not going to say they aren't like this. They probably are. They're probably worse. But it feels very Hollywood with, like, all the moaning and, like, just people, like, it just sounds awful as they walk through, which I guess is the point. Like, it's not supposed to be a pleasant yeah. place. But I do have to say the the one shot that we get when they first entered and they're starting to go to the cells, like, you realize later it's the, it's the stairwell, like, the circular stairwell they're going down to get down to, I guess, all the cells are in the basement. That shot is gorgeous because it's, like, like, hexagonal and just, like, all the bars and caging and stuff. That is a gorgeous shot. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. If you're into like, you know, institutional bar gorgeousness. Yeah. Anyway. You know, it's it's not a place you'd want to go for like a vacation or anything, but. <laughs> it is a beautiful shot. It Cinematography is. on point. Mwah. So uh, they get downstairs and there's a cell door and it's above it. It says Eve six. And the guard gives them a flashlight because apparently Eve will scream if they turn the overhead lights on. And so she says like, we don't even really know what she looks like because no one ever gets a good look at her because if we try and turn on the lights, she just flips out. And so they open the cell and inside they find a young woman who's like curled up on the bed and they shine the flashlight on her face and she looks exactly like Sally Kendrick, like exactly. I don't know that she's a young woman. I mean, she's obviously got to be like in her 40s. They did this stuff in the 50s. Yeah, I guess so. I guess as I get older, my definition of young gets... (laughs) Gets a little okay. higher. <laughs> okay. She's like, she's probably older than I am now, but I guess I'm just like, well, she's pretty young. She's not in yeah. her seventies. <laughs> don't do dental hygiene in that place. No. Well, she, yeah. What? Well, that's the other thing is like, obviously this is supposed to be an awful institution, but like this woman needs a shower and her teeth brushed and she needs like some serious care. Yeah. But so they get in there and Oh, actually, do you want to do your Eve 6 thing? Oh, yeah. So this is where Eve 6, the band, got their name, which the minute I saw this, I was like, I bet that's where Eve 6 got their name. And then I was like, 
I looked it up and that is totally true. And I feel like I totally knew that when I was a teenager. I'm sure that's probably why I bought their CD. I'm sure it's exactly why I started listening to them. But like, it's one of those things that I just forgot and then like relearned while doing this thing. So anyway, if you've ever heard the band Eve Six, this is why. So I recognize the name. I mean, not just from the episode, but Eve Six is a band. I recognize that. Mm-hmm. But like, can you tell me a song because I can't think of one and I didn't look it up. What's funny is I can hear it in my head, but I think it's like Inside Out or something was their big one. Because I know, and also I was going to look this up and I didn't. It is Inside Out. Yeah, it was their big I'm trash, but I also wonder if this is like their Eve 6, but like when did L7 come out? When did L7 start? I think a little later. Okay, was Eve, and also was Eve 6 an all-girl group? No, they're dudes. It's like a rock band. Oh, that's... Mm, I am both said <laughs> the word that I'm not supposed to say on this podcast, but that's messed up. They should be an all-girl band using the name Eve 6. Right. They, I, should, that, they should be Adam 6 or something, or Adam 12, <laughs> but there's not 12, but that would no, be... No, they're, they're all guys, sued. I think. So, yeah. Oh, that's messed up. Because L7, hard. I think, was all female band, I believe. And so I wonder if that's... Oh, just... That's messed up. Anyway, I'm anyway, yeah, just fun bit of trivia. You've I thought that was cool, and now that I found out they're all dudes, I am upset. Anyway, <laughs> I so. think they're all dudes. There might be a woman on there. I don't actually remember. Okay, Mm-mm. but the Token lead singer is definitely a guy. That's messed up. Anyway, so Eve Six says if they remove the chain, she'll gladly talk to them. And Mulder's like, they're <laughs> probably there for a good reason, actually. And she's like. No, they're for a bad reason because I paid too much attention to a guard and bit his eyeball. And so, yeah, so maybe that's, yeah, I don't, hopefully that's not so like eyeball on her teeth. Anyway, Mulder <sighs> asks where the other Adams and Eves are. And she says, well, we have a tendency for suicide, but Eve seven and Eve eight escaped. So I guess Eve seven escaped like, what'd she say? I forget. There was like one escaped and then one, the other one escaped like 10 years later. So they've been out for a while and Scully asked if she's Sally Kendrick and she says no that's not my name but she's me because I'm her and we're all the same and she says that the Adams and Eves all have 56 chromosomes which normally we have how many do we have I forget I think it's 40 something right or is it 26 oh I don't know (laughs) I forget. Oh, bad science. Oh, embarrassing. Anyway, that's more than way more than we have. Yeah, fifty-six is is more than normal people. (laughs) I think it is. I think it's twenty-six. Okay. And so they've got like like twice as many, I believe. But I uh, don't science me on this because I'm dumb. Okay, I forgot. I look. I actually looked it up, and now I can't remember. But they have additional genes, which gives them heightened strength and heightened intelligence and psychosis. Says Mulder, and she's like, "Save the best for last." Anyway, she's like, you don't believe... She's looking at Scully when she says this. She's totally looking at Scully when she says oh, this. Oh, yeah. Because she says, you don't believe me. And you know Scully's giving her that I don't believe you look. She's <laughs> doing all this. That's what Scully does. And she's like, look on the wall. There's all stuff. And so there's, like, oh, there's pictures on the wall and like some stuff. And there's a little photo of all these little girls. And they look exactly like Tina and Cindy. They're all the Eves. Right. And so Sally Kendrick was cloning herself at the clinic. Right. Which is super creepy because most people who do in vitro 
want to use their own genetic material and so to shove someone else's in there without their consent is pretty awful yeah not to mention like eugenics and stuff but yeah pretty awful so then we cut to the Reardon's house and Ellen Reardon is putting Cindy to bed and we see Mulder and Scully are parked outside and Mulder says if there are two other Eves out there they could have committed the murders of Joel and Doug at the same time like they could have coordinated that and so he thinks they're doing away with the parents because they want to keep the girls in the family, which is why they kidnapped Tina. So it's not to shut her up. It's because, like, she's one of them. And then we cut to the bedroom, and Cindy sees something, and she gets out of bed. And then we cut back to the car, and we see Cindy in the window. And Mulder and Scully are looking up at her. She's looking down at them. And then a light turns on, and someone grabs her. And Scully sees it, so they run into the house. Yeah, like a light comes on in her closet. Right. And you're like, uh, one, she's got a light in her closet. That's pretty freaking cool when you're a little kid. Yes. But then also, like, someone's in your closet, and they just turn the light on. But, like, Cindy was, like, totally, st- like, she knew it was, she was, like, totally staring at them. So, yeah, they need to not stake out, like, right outside people's windows, because people tend to look at them when they do that. <laughs> yeah, people notice. They're not as, yeah. like, stealthy as yeah, they so, think. So, Scully comes in, knocks on the, bangs on the door, and Cindy's mom, Ellen, comes in. She's like, there's someone upstairs. Wait outside. And she pulls her gun, and she goes upstairs, and Mulder goes around to the back. Scully goes upstairs and is walking around, and boom, she gets hit in the head, and she falls on the ground. Ugh, she's out. So, and then Mulder sees some movement, and then, whoosh, bust through the side glass door and pulls his gun and he stops and he shines a flashlight on her face and it looks like Sally Kendrick. And he's like, are you Eve seven or Eve eight? And she's like, boom, pulls out a gun and puts it at Cindy's head and says, you know, I'm capable. And so put your gun down. So Mulder puts his gun down and then she totally runs off with Cindy. Mulder grabs his gun. He runs after her. He comes around the corner and she fires a shot. And he's like, whoa, gun. <laughs> and then she jumps in her car and they drive off. So yeah, enhanced strength. Boom. Right through that sliding glass door. Yeah. Ooh. And I like that little like, you know, I'm capable. But she totally could have shot Mulder right there. Boom. Ooh. No more Mulder. But we'll get to that. Right. Yeah. So then Scully gives a report to the local police and she tells them Sally Kendrick is the suspect and describes her car and then also tells her she has a similar looking accomplice. Cindy's mom is like super terrified, of course, because her daughter's just been kidnapped. So that's got to be awful. And Mulder assures her that the women who took Cindy want her alive. So they'll definitely find her. And he promises her that, which seems like, I mean, I guess he's trying to reassure her. It seems like a hard promise to make, but he's confident. Yeah. We don't know how much she knows about everything yet either. Right. Yeah. Whether they've actually said like, oh, by the way, your daughter's a clone of this crazy person. (laughs) We don't know that. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we cut to Point Reyes National Seashore, which is 40 miles north of San Francisco. I didn't check that. It might be. Who knows? Sometimes they just make shit up on this show. So Sally pulls up to a motel and lets Cindy out. And there's a dude like raking the yard. And he's like, "Mm, what's going on? And then we cut back to the motel room and she's like, sorry, you guys had to meet like this. But she goes in the bathroom where apparently Tina was tied up because she takes the blindfold off of Tina and says, Tina, meet Cindy. And they kind of look at each other and then they smile. Right. Yeah. So hint, 
when you're kidnapping kids, don't be like squealing your tires when you're pulling into your motel because you're <laughs> going to make people look. So just yeah. a little helpful tip. So then a cop tells Scully that they found Kendrick's car at the airport. And they're like, okay, well, she probably ditched the car. You know, make sure, check all the flights. Make sure that she's not hiding there waiting to take a later flight. All this kind of stuff. And then Mulder gets a tip about a woman who matches the description of Sally Kendrick was seen by a motel owner in Point Reyes. So they must have put like an all points bulletin and put her picture on TV and all that kind of stuff, I'm guessing. Right. Why would he like just know this and like tell them? But he says, or the woman showed up with the girl and then she left by herself and then she came back with the girl. And Scully's like, well, you know, maybe he didn't see everything, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, no, he remembers this girl because she told him that he should use chlorine to get rid of the dinoflagellates in the pool. Right. Does that sound like anybody you recognize? And she's like, okay, let's go. So, yeah. Do you have to say, I'm really glad they did this, like, oh, she ditched the car at the airport? Because when she pulled in the motel, I was like, they better explain this as her switching the cars because it is not a light blue Corolla. Right. So I was like, PA person, <laughs> come on. Anyway, so yeah, they got they got this one. Okay. Good job. So um Kendrick is sitting with Cindy and Tina and they're in the motel room and they have food in front of them and fast food, empty bags and stuff, and soda cups. And so she tells the girls that in the original Adam and Eve's psychosis didn't develop until age 16 and most didn't develop homicidal behavior until age 20. So then she's like, I'm disappointed in your accelerated development. And she asked how they knew of each other. And they just like together. They're just like, we just knew, we just knew, you know, they're like, they're super, it's creepy. <laughs> she asked if they talked about how they'd kill their fathers and again, they're just like, nope, we just knew. We just knew how we were going to do it and when and without any discussion across the country. And then Sally's like, well, why even kill them? Like, these are your parents. Like, what are you doing? And the girls are like, we don't have parents. We weren't born. And Sally pleads with them not to think that way, that like, you're people, you have parents and with a proper environment and medication, you can live a normal life. And then she starts shaking and she kind of looks at the table and looks around and the girls smile. And so she's like, what have you done? And the girls are like, we gave you a lethal dose of foxglove in your soda. And, <laughs> and so, and they're just, they're super creepy. And so she picks up a knife and she's like, well, I'm going to correct my mistake or whatever. So like at this point, obviously we've just learned that Sally Kendrick is not evil and the girls are evil. <laughs> But also, this is the scene, so, like, this whole episode, the two things I remembered about it was that there was a creepy kid, and there was, like, foxglove poisoning. And as the episode has been progressing, I was like, oh, maybe I mixed it up with a different one, because there's no, like, foxglove in here, so I must be thinking of a different episode. And then as soon as I saw them at the table with, like, the soda cups, I was like, oh, nope, this is the same episode. (laughs) <laughs> well, isn't the foxglove and the digitalis the same thing? It is, yeah. So foxglove okay, is the the common name for the plant. Is the, is the, I think it's the plant, and the digitalis is the extracted, right? The poison, chemical. But I mean, yeah, okay. if you talk to people about poison, some people will call it foxglove. Okay, I think so. Yeah, because she. I mean, so okay, she's 
kind of evil because oh, she's yeah. like implanting people with like oh, clones yeah. of herself to like because she's talking about how like she always kept an eye on them and knew it. So that's how we know there's probably not right. eleven. Because she's messing she with genetic she, material. Yeah. And so we're guessing there's only two because she says she's kept tabs on them. And as far as we know, there's not a plan to go get the third one. And we haven't heard about another like killing with like vampire stuff. So right. we're assuming there's only the two. But she talks about how like she was apparently raised by like one of the researchers who like cared for her and like taught her everything. So she was like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, whereas like Eve Six was like the Danny DeVito in this story <laughs> and had like the good parents who gave you all the love and attention and that kind of stuff. Right. And so she's like, you know, and and her whole point of doing this was that she was trying to fix the problems that happened with the Eve and Adam project of all the psychosis and that kind of stuff. Right. So that was her whole plan was to like refine this, which I'm not sure like why would you just like let it go like don't do anything and then it'll just solve itself when you all die but anyway i think because she she's a scientist and so she wants to i guess push things to the limit she is obviously not i didn't mean to say like she's a great person i just mean in the case of this episode she's not like the big bad no but then also she went and bought the matching outfit like that like (laughs) oh like that is so cute because like she took she took the girls obviously when they were sleeping so they're in pajamas but then like when they're at the table they're wearing little matching outfits and it's like she had to buy them for them that's like sweet in a way a little creepy it's a little creepy a little sweet. twisted but you know she's yeah. doing her best as a kidnapping evil scientist lady yeah so this is also why she probably didn't kill Mulder because she's actively trying to fight against her genetic predispositions right, right? And then also we learned that the girls are the murderers, not her. Right. So she didn't, like, they killed their own fathers, which is yeah. super. E- oh, anyway, they're eight. Yeah. They're eight. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Mulder and Scully arrive at the motel and the cops are already there. And they're like, have you gone in? I'm like, no, you told us not to. So we've been waiting. So then they hear a window break and they're like, all right, let's go. Bust in the door. And Sally Kendrick is on the floor. And so, Scully goes to there and is like, oh, she did. And Mulder goes to the window and is like, no, we don't see anybody. And then they're like, they can't see anything. And then Mulder turns back to look at Scully and like behind Scully against the wall. So from Mulder's point of view behind Scully, the two girls are like huddled against the wall. So they like, totally ran past them and didn't see them. And they're like, her and the other lady tried to poison us and they were going to kill us. And they're like, who's the other lady? And they're like, it looked like her. So they're saying that both Eve seven and eight were there and we're going to poison them. Right. They were going to poison you everybody. Know. So they had, but apparently we know the real story. Yeah. Cause Mulder's like, Oh, they're only the Jonestown. Right. So. Cause the plan, the, what the girls are selling is that the plan was, they were all going to drink this digitalis stuff and they would all die. But yeah. Yeah. They're so creepy. Like we talked in conduit about how the kid is not creepy. These kids are creepy. I don't know. They're that creepy honestly. i think they're creepy. i mean they're twins so twins are always kind of got that little and then they're like <laughs> we know they're evil right? right so that probably adds to it i have to say though you can totally tell tina from cindy yeah in every scene they're in like they look just different because they are twins obviously and i that was one thing i couldn't remember was if they had just had one person and they did like magic you know but they actually had real twins yeah they were because twins. that saved them some money because we know they love to spend money on the show so but yeah they're just different enough and on that it turns out that they actually are vancouver locals yes because it turns out they couldn't like fly kids out from los angeles to work in vancouver 
because of the like child actor restrictions, I guess the flight time would count as working. And so they couldn't like fly them to Vancouver, then fly them back because then they would get in trouble, which, you know, I get. But like I get unions and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, why wouldn't you always look for local talent first? Right. Like, like I support unions, but sometimes like this whole self-preservation of unions gets kind of ridiculous because like, yes, like you're, you know, we talked about this with um, Fallen Angel. And the casting of Max, right? He was a Vancouver local as well. And they were like talking about how like, you know, usually they make us hire people from LA, but if you know they have to really knock it out of the park to get a local to do it. And it's like, dude, you're filming in Vancouver. I'm like, come on, like you can hire people in Vancouver. Why are you flying people out? Right. Well, and I don't, Vancouver? I don't know how the Actors Guild works. Can't you be a member if you're in Canada? Like, can't you still be like a guild member? I don't know. It's that, they have that weird thing where like, I've heard people talk about this. Like you can't get in the guild until you have credentials. Right. But you can't get credentials until you're in the guild. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's like, uh, what? How does that it's work? It's definitely one of those things. But I think, I don't think Canadians are like barred from being in the no, guild. No, I don't think so either. It's just, like, I, I don't understand like why they have yeah. to. Yeah. And I don't know that's a have to as opposed to they wanted to, but it's like, dude, you're filming in Vancouver. Why would you always look for local people first? the casting director said about Max that there was just pressure to hire from Los Angeles. So I don't know yeah. what that's well, this about. One, they, apparently, they apparently were trying to get people from Los Angeles, but they were like, can't do that. Cause if you've got to fly into Vancouver and you're going to work them for so many hours and you're going to fly them back, that breaks the hour limit for child for actors. Kids, yeah. You can't do that. So yeah, but it just seems like that's crazy. Why wouldn't you just look for, but yeah, but I guess they did actually consider doing like the one kid and doing all the digital stuff, but they're in so many scenes together right. that it would just been like, yeah, it would have won. It probably would look like crap because it's 1993 and they don't have a lot of money. And then, so yeah. It's, yeah, I think it's better that they use two girls. Yeah. And they're, I mean, much like Max, I think they did pretty good on this. Oh yeah. No, so. they did a good job. Like I say they're creepy, but they're, you know, the whole, like, we just knew, we just knew, like they're good actors. They're not bad yeah. at all. Yeah, I guess there were some people complaining about, like, they seemed too, like, you know, stiff and whatever. But it's like, that's kind of like... That's the point, though, I think. Yeah, in a way. So, yeah. But you definitely can tell them apart, though. You yeah. can always tell which one is well, which. Well, most identical twins, so. I feel like you can... Once you get to know them, it's pretty easy to be like, oh, that's this one, that's this one. Because you do... They are, they never are exactly identical. I mean, I don't know that we've gotten to know them in half an hour of watching on television. But anyway, right. yeah. Um, so at the motel, Scully finds traces of Foxglove in the soda cups, and Mulder and Scully are just like, we have to keep these girls close because they're in danger, and we can't let anyone else watch them because we need to make sure that they're okay. So they put them in their car, and they're driving. I'm not exactly sure where they're driving to. Is it down to San Francisco? Is it down back to Marin I don't County? Know. Are or? they driving back to Connecticut? Like, what are they doing? Like, it's like super late now at night and yeah. they've actually been in the car for a long time. So I don't know where they're so, going and they never actually clarify. Yeah. Cause they the girls are going are gonna, back to Connecticut. <laughs> Cause the girls are going to say like, I have to use the bathroom. And Scully's like, I could use some caffeine. So they've obviously been in the car for a while. They have. Where and it's driving. weird because the only living parent is in Marin County. So right. it's and not that's like, only, that's and 40 miles. Ray's place is only 40 miles. So yeah, well, where are they going? 40 miles from San Francisco. Marin County's north of that. So it's not even 40 miles. Like, I don't know where they are in Marin, but like. 
Yeah, so yeah. it's they're not that far. So they just, I don't know where they're going anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but apparently it's like it's like late at night. They have and a road trip. been in the car for a long time. Yeah, right. So I don't know where they're going. So they but. pull off again. There's like this truck stop. So again, that suggests they're taking a long, long trip because like they're in the middle of nowhere. And they pull into this truck stop and the girls are like, we have to use the bathroom. And Scully's like, I want a soda. So they go into this little diner and they order four sodas, two regular, two diet. Yeah, like simultaneously, the two girls are like, Boulder's like, four diet sodas. And they're like, regular. Right, which as a kid, I thought was funny because like I loved Pepsi. I loved it so much. And I hated diet soda. To this day, I can't drink a lot of diet soda because the aspartame gives me like a headache and I can taste it. It tastes funny to me, like where sucralose is fine. Anyway, I get it. I'm all about regular soda. What Although we get, the, we get the feeling that if he had said four regulars, they might have said diet. Right. So anyway, yeah. he orders the two diets, the two regular, and Scully takes the girls into the bathroom and Mulder's going to use the men's bathroom. And then we see one of the girls slip out of the woman's bathroom. And while the rest of them are in there, she goes up to the counter. She grabs the two diet sodas, which I'm surprised the waitress doesn't find suspicious. And she's also like, no, no, you have to pay for those. And she's like, my dad will pay or whatever. Which is mm-hmm. yeah. And she takes them over to the table and she like, you know, poisons both sodas. And then Mulder and Scully come out and Mulder's like, oh, hey, are these the diet? And he like grabs one and takes a sip and he's like, oh, this is too sweet. And earlier we've learned that like Foxglove tastes sweet. So that's why. And she's like, nope, I saw her pour them. Those are definitely the diet. <laughs> He's like, okay. And he like turns around and starts to like walk out of the restaurant without like paying for the sodas or grabbing the other two. And, yeah. <laughs> and so they're like the other sodas. So yeah. So then they go get the other sodas. Mulder pays. They head outside. Scully takes a sip. And she also is like, mm, syrupy. So like if you drink a lot of soda, which I don't anymore, but I did as a kid, like I could always tell the difference. Like I don't. And I think you would know, like, yeah, I feel like you would know something was off. Anyway, and upcoming, we're gonna we're gonna get into how like Scully knows everything about every drug possible, <laughs> but she apparently doesn't know that this stuff tastes super sweet and syrupy. She so. knows it. I just don't think she's thinking. She's not making that connection, which is surprising because Scully's pretty smart. So, yeah. So outside, Mulder's like, oh, "Crap, I don't have my keys." So he's he a runs mess back today. inside. He's a mess. Yeah, so he runs back inside to get his keys, and they're on the table, and there's like, so they're like, she's like, this girl, I, I get it, she was in a hurry, but a little sloppy, because there's like this green residue all over the table, like, you know, like, in the shape of a cup, and so he's like, he tastes it, and he's like, <gasps> his eyes get all big, and so he runs outside, and he's like, Scully, and then everyone turns, he's like, um, I found my keys. Let's go. I, I'm just, ha- I wanted to make sure I open the door for you. He's like super, like a bad actor. And then he's like, it's poison Ugh, and knocks her cup down. And then they turn around and the girls are gone. They're like, yeah, they didn't fall for it. Mulder, your bad acting just didn't play good enough. And, and Scully's like, Oh, well, we didn't drink enough to make us sick. So, <laughs> because she knows everything about all drugs. And so right. yeah, she knows exactly how much is safe. So they chase after the girls and there's obviously, like you said, we're in a truck stop. So there's like, you know, big, big trucks like lined up everywhere. And so they're like looking in between trucks and Mulder sees them and he grabs them. But then this dude comes out and he's like, Hey, let them girls go. And he's got his gun. He doesn't actually talk like that, but he's kind of like a redneck sort of guy. And then like, I guess his wife comes around too. I'm going, we're going to be generous and say it's his wife and not 
other women who tend to hang out around truck stops. But anyway, and they're like, you girls run. He's like, I'm an FBI. And then Scully runs up with her gun. And he's like, put your gun down. And she's like, we're FBI. But he's like, nope, going to shoot you. So then they let the girls go and the girls run off. And then the woman's like, you girls get in the truck. Again, they don't have like redneck accents. I'm just doing that. <laughs> but they just run right past the truck. And they're like, get him. So then, so then Scully whips out her like, we're FBI dipshit. Like she doesn't say dipshit, but that's like the look on her face. And they run past him. The guy's like, oh, what's going on? Rednecks with a gun. Yeah. So. And like Scully's whole thing about like, oh, we didn't drink enough for it to hurt us or whatever. <laughs> I definitely was like, you don't know how much they put in there. So you have no she knows idea. Everything about all drugs <laughs> except how they taste. And like from a plot perspective, if they've just drink drunk poison, drunk drinking, drunk if they've just consumed a large amount of poison, the obvious thing to do would be to like call nine one one, get medical help because you don't know how much you've had. So I think her comment is sort of thrown out there as a way to like justify how they keep chasing after the girls instead of stopping to get medical attention. I don't really think it's necessary because I totally believe that Mulder and Scully would absolutely put like duty first and chase after well, the girls. Well, I think you would no matter what anyway. Like you would be like, we got to get, like they just tried to kill us. We got to get them. Right. Um, so, and, and I then think character wise that makes sense. And yeah. Then, and I think Scully probably drank more of the soda than Mulder did. Right. She was like slurping on that thing the whole time. Like she's like looking at the girl slurping on it and they're like all like creepy smiling at her. Right. Like Scully, like take a hint. Come on. But yeah. But it is super weird thing to say because like you have literally no idea how much is in there or how much of it you consume. So you don't know that. Anyway. TV, TV, <laughs> this is on TV. Yeah. So they run back inside the diner and Mulder's like, have you seen the twins that we were with? And the waitress is like, well, no, but a bunch of kids just left on this school bus. And so we don't really see Mulder and Scully get in a car, but we do see their car leave the truck stop and like zoom out after this bus. And the girls are hiding under this tarp in the back of a boat that's parked with some of the trucks. And so they pull up the tarp and they climb out and they help each other out. And then Mulder, who is not in the car after all, sneaks up behind them and grabs them. And then they're just like, we didn't do anything wrong. We're just little girls. And it's so creepy. And Mulder's like, that's the last thing you are. Like, he's not buying their act anymore. Yeah. So then we cut to the Reardon household and Mulder and Scully have met with Cindy's mom and they're talking about how like I guess they're gonna put her in an institution where she can get help but she's like yeah you know what don't care she's like ripping up photos and throwing them in the fire and like she was never our daughter so she obviously knows now about the fact that you know she's a clone and that we're assuming she also probably knows that she's the one who killed her husband which she be messed must. up because like you raised the kid and it turns out it's not your kid and then that kid also just killed your husband so now you're like all alone well killed your husband in the same way that her clone twin did in a way that's clearly not a nature versus nurture situation yeah well i mean like empathy aside like you know who gives a shit about joel simmons like you killed my husband doug and right well i just we mean that like a kid so that yeah. makes it very clear that it wasn't like i messed up raising this child it's very oh, clearly okay. like the you know the clones. Yeah, are, I don't think she ever thought that. I don't so. think she did either. But yeah. yeah. 
So then the girls are in the same institution as Eve 6, and they've got their own little signs that say Eve 9 and Eve 10 written above their cells. And then we see someone checking in and getting a badge. We never see this person from above the shoulders, however. always The screen is always cut off. It's weird. They're wearing a white coat, and they check in, and they sign for a panic button. And then she comes in, and they close the door, and then dun-dun, we get the reveal. It's Eve 8. And they're like, hello, Eve 8. And she's like, how did you know I would come for you? And they're like, we just knew. We just knew. Which they totally missed the opportunity to have them end it by saying the last line, we just knew, simultaneously. Right. I mean, that's what high-quality media does. <laughs> when you end a show, you say the <laughs> line at the same time. So I'm very upset <laughs> that, you know, there are standards that media creators have and some have it and apparently some don't. But anyway, that's all I'm going to say. I mean, that's not all I'm going to say, but. Right. Yeah. No, I, I get it. But like, how does like the Arkham Asylum staff not recognize that they just like let the Joker in to meet with the Joker and mini Jokers? Like, I get it. We got that little thing about like, oh, we've never really even seen what she looks like. Like seriously you've got like a psychotic killer in your prison institution whatever you want to call it and you've never managed to see what she actually looks like come on no i don't buy that at all one they have photos she anything she has with her they must have seen so they have photos of her as a kid and they also like i know she's in really bad shape but i feel like even the worst is well maybe not the worst i don't know how bad institutions get they're probably pretty awful but i feel like someone at some point had to have gotten a clear look at her and she has to go to the shower and she has to go to i mean she might have a bathroom in her cell but like you know what i mean like i don't know it seems really unbelievable that no one in there knows what she looks like maybe not the right people at the check-in desk to know that this person is like a clone of her but still yeah but you would think they would have to know what she looks like i mean come on go. like if she escaped or you'd be like oh like look for this person that we don't know what they look like <laughs> we think she helpful. has brown hair we know she's white and, and she has a penchant 40? for biting eyeballs. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so it doesn't... Because, yeah. like, even if she did bite the eyeballs and got, like, strapped down, they'd have to have seen her. So they, maybe they had the lights on and she was screaming about it, but they at least know what she looked... You know what I mean? Like, they've yeah. seen her. For yeah. sure. So, yeah, that was a little bit hokey, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I mean, they did give us that little... And that may have been something they put in specifically for this. Right. Like, no one knows what she looks like so that we don't be like... Why are you letting her in to visit herself? What's going on? So, right. Yeah. Anyway. So, so this. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Okay, then I'll go ahead. All right. So this episode actually breaks the trope of Mulder knowing something that seems super crazy. And then it turns out he's right. Because he is wrong twice in this episode. First, right. he thinks it's cattle mutilations, and it's not. And then he actually thinks that it's Eve 7 and 8 they're doing the murders, and it's, it's not. not. No. It's Eve 9 and 10. So Yeah. So I just want to go back to the thing I put a pin in, um, the scene where like oh. Tina is scared that she's, you know, there's someone coming to a room. Yeah, where did that bunny come? I didn't remember the bunny coming back up. So, and this might just be because they don't actually say that they knew Sally was going to come for them. And Sally does actually have like Tina tied up before Cindy gets there and they meet. Oh. But I feel like they knew, they knew the other girl existed. 
They knew exactly how they were going to murder their fathers at the exact same time. They knew that Eve 8 was going to come and get them out of the like Arkham Asylum. How did they not know Sally was going to come for them? Is it because Sally is like so far removed from these other Eves because she's gotten treatment and medication and is trying to live more normal, like a more normal life? Or is it or did that because it just feels weird to me that she's like scared at that point in retrospect because we know who it is and so it feels like she should know who it is but maybe it's because sally is like removed from the eaves enough that they didn't know she was coming for them i don't know but that was just a question i had yeah it could also be and again i'm gonna go with my like being generous because i think the assumption is that they've got like some kind of like psychic link oh yeah right? absolutely they're creepy they twins to, yeah but well i the thing i don't think they necessarily have to because i mean we have all that like you know i mean you hear like those headline stories about like the twins who were separated at birth and they both end up being named like i think there's one i think it's like tim and they married women with the same name and then divorced them and then married other women with the same name and they had like kids who they had the same name and they both had the same kind of job and they lived in the same kind of house and they like gained weight and lost weight about the same period of their life and it's all this kind of stuff, right? So you like and those are like really like super rare. It's not like this happens all the time with right. twins, but like there are there well, are a few cases where that's like yeah. the outlier, right? And so that's where you get this whole twin myth thing going on. So you could get that of like like they like they didn't necessarily plan to do this together. It's just like Eve nine decided like time to kill dad with some digitalis and suck all his blood out. And Eve ten also decided like Time to kill dad. It was in digitalis. It's like all blood out. And then when they meet each other, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And, I so, mean, and so all they're like, we just knew, we just knew, is actually them just playing everybody. Maybe. I mean, that's totally possible. Because they never say anything ahead of time that would totally like seal the deal that they've got like some precognition psychic link going on. Right. But like they know that they were abducted by this person and then she tells them the whole story and then they hear like you know Mulder and Scully talking about like Eve 7 and Eve 8 as well and then someone shows up who looks exactly like the other person they're like oh we knew you were coming right like, it could be like they're just playing that up true to make true. it seem like they're super even more creepy powerful than they are that's probably not what the intent is, but that could be an explanation right. without having the whole like psychic bond stuff. Yeah. So anyway, that was just the thing I noticed and I was like, Hmm. hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is some stuff going on this episode. Like, so the reason why we, these are writers who we haven't seen before and who we won't see again is because they're actually freelancers and like actually like sent the script to Chris Carter. Like, just like, Hey, we wrote the script. See if you like it. So X-Files must have had enough things going on like in the industry, even though this is like episode 11 to where people were submitting scripts. And so apparently Morgan and Wong did some rewrite on it. So they apparently named Tina and Cindy after their wives. Oh, creepy. Yeah, it's a but, weird. yeah but I don't know, but I mean, they're producers, so I, there's no details on like what they actually rewrote, but there are some characterizations like how, like, like how Mulder behaved. There's some parts where Mulder seems behaving a little strange for Mulder. And there's some parts where Scully seems behaving a little strange for Scully. And then obviously like Deep Throat is like all 
Mr. Jokey Jokey. <laughs> so, but I mean that in a way that makes sense because these are writers who are like just writing, right? Like, you know, they're not involved in the whole process. There's like, oh, we had this cool. They apparently titled the original script was titled "The Girls from Greenwich," which is like the boys from Brazil kind of thing. Huh. So, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. And I think like you can. I'm always looking for. I think this is the the fandom part of me or like whatever, but I'm always looking for like in-character reasons why characters might be off. And I think Mulder's just really tired. <laughs> he's been staking out and then driving to who knows where. And so I think that's why he's so like kind of out of it in the diner and acts kind of funny. Um, and they're, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that was also one of the, one of the reasons why they say like how this one, like I said, this one kind of breaks that trope of like Mulder always has, like Mulder's usually always right. Right. Yeah. Like, like he comes up with an idea and everyone's like, yeah, you're crazy. You're spooky Mulder. You're insane. Right. Blah, 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 blah. But then it turns out he's right. Right. Whereas this episode isn't. And so people have also brought that up point. Well, that's why, because these are writers who weren't actually involved in the whole, they're just like freelancers. And so right. that's why in this one Mulder, but I think it actually adds some like, well, it's good. He can't be right all the time. He would no. get insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so before we wrap up, there's one other thing that I'm very disappointed in this. And this not this has nothing to do with the episode. It has to do with doing research on the episode after the fact. I was very excited to get the X-Files, the official archives book that just came out, like this year. Came out like right after we started this podcast. However, for this episode, it says this episode takes place starting November 7th. So Joel was killed on November 7th. Okay. And his autopsy is dated as November 8th. But ice occurred like that, that last video transmission was November 5th of 1993. And the book also talks about ice and has a section on ice. It doesn't have sections on every episode. It says sections on certain. And actually ice is the previous entry before Eve. Right. That video transmission was like a couple weeks before, though, right? Or was like a week or so before. Well, we don't know how long it. I don't remember exactly, but anyway, that's November fifth, right? Okay. And then the book is saying that this episode, the autopsy report, is dated November eighth. We don't see it in the book, but it's got like you know the facsimile because the the whole the whole conceit of this book is like you're getting you're actually looking at like files with like photos and documents and you know things are redacted and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's like only two days difference between ice and Eve. And yet we've got two episodes that occur between ice and Eve and fallen angel takes place over four days. Right. So like whoever wrote this book, whoever wrote this book, whoever edited this book, like is not paying attention. And so I'm kind of disappointed because I kind of like this book so far, but like those little detail things really make me like, Oh, like, come on people details, pay attention to the details. <laughs> Like you're dating all these like faux FBI documents and I'm supposed to be like, Oh, this is so cool. I got all these documents, They're like the real X-Files documents and look at all these redactions and there's handwritten notes and there's photos and there's all this stuff. And then like, it doesn't make sense. Cause like those dates are impossible. Well, they could watch the video could be recorded on the fifth. They could go to Greenwich and then Marin. And then when they get back, the video was like the transition yeah, happened I mean, like a week have or to, so before. Yeah, we have to assume the episodes are out of order then, right? right. Episodes are taking place so within Fall episodes and, Angel would and that have kind happened. of stuff. Yeah, but yeah, no, I yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. So like, this isn't going to be listed because the only reason I actually used this book for any sort of reference was there was nothing in the book that I could, that was actually important for this episode. So the only reason I'm even mentioning it is because this upset me. It upset the official timeline because it's hard to put together the official timeline. And I know that's something you're trying to kind of do 
Yeah, just kind of and just and the, and just the fact like you're it's something that's come up in several different sources we've been using of like right they're just getting small details wrong and it's upsetting me because like you wrote this someone edited this and there's like stuff in here that's like just like blatantly wrong like me Mister like know nothing is it's like reading your book and going like that can't be true like I just watched the episode and you're wrong why is this in your book so yeah. And we haven't, that's the thing, we haven't gotten any date stamping since ICE either. Like right. We don't know anything. Because we were talking about in uh, Space, I think, which was the episode right after ICE, we were thinking, like, this might actually might be 94 already. It might be January. We don't know. Because right. We're not getting, we any, we're not getting any, any weather idea. clues. Yeah. And I'm sure they kept that ambiguous on purpose. Right. But that yeah, means just, it's hard to put together an official timeline. Yeah, just disappointed in this book. At least on that point. It looks really cool, though. I've seen it online, and I'm like, oh, I want to get that. So. Yeah. The last book that I was also disappointed in, I mentioned in, this was in um, Shadows, that I had been slightly disappointed in, because it mentioned that the quote right. was from Thomas Jefferson, and then it was a train. It had the wrong the date, yeah. Yeah, and so the rest of the book actually has been pretty good. Yeah. So hopefully this will be the same thing. I think it like probably will. One or two things, so, yeah. But people, if you're going to write a book about the X-Files, get your shit straight. <laughs> Call Nick to get your date straight because he's That's right. he's on top of it. You could actually hire me too because I will gladly take your money to make sure you're not wrong. So, yeah. Fact checking but aside, services. But aside from that, I don't really have a whole lot of. I mean, we've talked about some stuff in the episode, but I don't have a whole lot of nitpicks for this episode. No, I thought it was good. It was one of my favorites when I was younger, and like it still holds up. I think it was one of my favorites. Literally because I had it on VHS. So it was one oh, okay. I could watch over and over. But Yeah, I was going to say, I think maybe it's time for us to do our rating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to let you go first again. Oh, no. Okay. So I haven't actually thought about this at all. I think I thought about it last week and then I when I watched it. And then... Um, yeah, so we should we should specify that I canceled last week's Oh, that's recording. fine. And now we're doing this a week later. No, it's but, totally I mean, still, fine. I just I'm still I, recording like a month before it's going to go oh, out. Oh yeah, anyway. this isn't even going to air till November. So by the time it airs, people are going to be like, Guy Fox Day. <laughs> Happy Guy yeah, Fox never, Day. I've, I've read the V for Vendetta comic. I've never seen the movie. And, I've seen the know, movie. I've never read the comic. But I know the history, which is why it was kind of like, oh, by the way about the election because yeah, blowing up parliament what have you so anyway. so anyway no reason <laughs> yeah. no reason to bring that up no given that we don't all. even know what happened yeah possibly also, you like, don't know you what know, happened yet because that is very likely that nobody knows yet so hopefully no feds are going to show up at my door after this airs anyway so, anyway yes. so i'm looking at my ratings for other episodes just because i was curious where they stood um i think i'm trying to decide I think that this is going to be an eight for me because I feel like oh, okay. it's really good. It's on lo- It's on par with like Conduit where I think it's like, it's more than a solid episode. Like I definitely, this is the kind of episode where if I were making a list of like episodes you should watch to get into the X-Files, I feel like this would be on the, that list. When I was a kid, I liked it because of the possible vampire aspect and then was disappointed that there were no vampires, but I still thought it was very cool. I think it's like a well done episode. And in terms of twists and stuff, this one has more twists and they work. Like you don't suspect that the eight year old girl is killing her father. And then you definitely think it's this evil geneticist lady. And then she gets killed by these little girls. I feel like it's, it's well done. Like you just don't expect any of those twists until the girls try and poison Mulder and Scully, which let's face it for little genius clones. They're not that smart. 
Yeah, they are kind of one-trick ponies. Yeah, not a great they keep plan. Using the same, they keep using the same method. Well, yeah, and if you if everyone around you dies of the same poison, pretty soon people are going to figure it out. So. I mean, they didn't like blood suck, you know, Sally Kendrick, Eve 7. Right. But... Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, that wouldn't have that wouldn't have really hit with the story either <laughs> right. of like, oh, we were all they were trying to poison us. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was good. So yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight. Okay. Can I ask before we go into my number? So what is there any specific thing that made you rate it less than say Fallen Angel or the pilot? Because like you're giving it a lot of praise here. Oh yeah, I like it. But a lot. you're also but you're also rating it an eight as opposed to like giving it a nine. Right. So I think it's the Mulder and Scully in this episode that's that's knocking it down a point because I feel like oh, okay. so they're, maybe they're that characterization good. we talked about. Okay. Yeah, I feel like they're they're fine. Like nothing in this episode stands out to me where I'm like, that's not Mulder, that's not Scully. It's more that there's no really great moments between them. There's a couple good jokes from Mulder, but there's not a lot of like, we don't get a lot of their characterization growth or character growth in this episode. It's more of them solving the case, which is fine. Not every episode has to be like the characters grow a lot and learn new things. Like it doesn't have to happen every episode. I don't expect it to, but I feel like fallen angel both furthers the myth arc. It furthers both their characterization and we've got Max. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and we totally neglected the whole I think in the previous episode I had mentioned that Fallen Angel was one of the Myth Arc episodes. Yes. It was gonna be our it was gonna be our, our first Myth Arc episode since Deep Throat. Right. It was only gonna be our third for the season. And then during the episode we didn't mention it at all. Right. It was a Myth Arc episode. Yeah. So So I feel yeah. like just in terms of like Mulder and Scully's interactions and their character growth and stuff, I feel like this one doesn't go as far. And so I think that's probably why it's getting a little bit lower of a rating, but I still think it's a really solid episode. And again, would definitely be on that list of episodes you should watch to get into the X-Files. So okay, Yeah. I, I, I am curious. And of course, you know, it's the question, you know, it's, it's, that happens a lot with this stuff. Like you get information about like the background on things, but you actually don't get the information you want. You just get like teaser information. Like I would really like to know, aside from like giving the two girls, their wives names, which again, creepy what Morgan and Wong actually did on this because I again it was a freelancer episode right they submitted it and so they probably had to do some tweaking of it because like they are like you know the holders of the grail as far as like you know x-files and what's going on what's going to be canon what's yeah because because they are the second most prominent writers in the first season they're the co-executive producers for the whole season so I get that they would you know do a little tweaking like maybe they added some of those jokes that we like to that you know Mulder and Scully kind of do and so but it'd be interesting to know like what they did actually tweak right and what didn't so since we never hear from these other writers again especially because like yourself I really like this episode and so it's like wow they really did a good job on this and like Chris Carter like gave credit to the director again we never hear from him again about how the director did some really great things and he was really impressed with his work and i was like well then you never hired him back to do it, you know? <laughs> you been that impressed with him so i mean i didn't look maybe the dude died after this i have no idea but anyway so but we never you know we never get these writers again we never get this director again but it's a really good episode and so i'd like i would like to maybe see some of the details of like you know what was tweaked what was massaged what did you guys have to add so but i hmm i think it's funny because we both 
talked about how much we loved Squeeze, but then I think I gave Squeeze a seven and a half, and I think you only gave it a seven. I gave it a seven, right? yeah. Yeah. I like this and episode so it's actually, better, though. It's actually lower. Yeah. Well, so do I, I think. I'm, I'm kind of like, maybe I should go back and watch Squeeze again. But anyway, because again, <laughs> it's early on, and so our numbers are kind of strange, right? I know, right? But I was tempted to almost give this a better rating than pilot or fallen angel i think i'm gonna pull back a little bit on that and i think i'm gonna give it this hmm, do i want to give it a nine or do i want to wuss out and give it an eight and a half <laughs> hmm. well for what it's worth i don't feel like i wussed out <laughs> no i don't think you did. i'm just saying like me personally i want to be like i don't want to give it the you know that holy grail of like a nine so no I, that wasn't the intention sorry it's okay <laughs> bringing that up <laughs> i asked you like why i asked you why you didn't go that high and you told me so yeah that's, no that's i have fine. my reasons yeah mm, well i fine i'm going to give it i'm gonna give it a nine nice nice well i had said prior to this episode that this was like the one that again because i stopped watching right you know i watched i watched like maybe if i'm i know i watched host which is the second episode of season two beyond that. I can't say so, but when I think of X-Files, this is the episode that I remember the most. Okay. Is Eve. So that I just, like, I remember a lot of like, and maybe we'll see other ones too, that I'm gonna be like, Oh yeah, I totally remember that. Like when we got into fallen angel, I was like, Oh, I like, I totally recognize Max. He's the person I think of in my head when I think of the lone gunman, even though he's not on the lone gunman. And, like, when we watched Pilot, I was like, oh, yeah, these iconic scenes, whatever. But, like, Eve is something, like, I don't need, like, the episode to jog my memory. I, like, remembered this episode and oh, how yeah. much I liked it. So, yeah. So, I'm going to go with a nine. Nice. All right. I think, cool. go, I think going higher would be a little too woo-woo. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try not to go too crazy. But I think nine. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we both like this one. It feels like we're on an upswing now. We hit Fallen Angel, and I feel like yeah. now we're, we're going Well, like up. we said, we're not going to see ratings like we saw with, again, not Fallen Angel's fault. It was Space's fault that Fallen Angel had such low viewership of 8.8, .8, right? Right. Tied with Shadows. But we don't see numbers like that again until, like, what I say, like, season nine, I think? Yeah, like it's pretty late. Now. So, yeah. So, definitely, you know, I mean, hopefully it's not just more people are seeing the show and hopefully the show is actually gonna you know continually improve we'll find out yes we will we rewatch the x-files <laughs> catchy name someone should use that <laughs> anyway yeah so yeah. we're gonna rewatch the next episode and we'll see how we feel okay what episode is that that episode is fire yeah i guess we don't need to actually say that because we say that in the end credits but hey you know that's okay reinforcement and it's fire and again it's one of the episodes where i think i know which episode it is but like i'm not 100 percent sure so fire. i might i might be connecting the thing that i think it is with some like a later episode and i don't so it'll be interesting to see if it's the one that i think it is i would guess just on the name that i'm gonna think we're gonna get like pyrokinesis yes that's what i think i could be wrong but i but... could i know that there is an episode about that i don't know if that's this episode Okay. So I, what'll be, we'll, we'll find out. I did see something about spontaneous human combustion. Okay. That doesn't necessarily mean that those aren't 
They could be Those related. Can't yeah. They can't exist at the same time. Which yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. One so. of the many things that terrified me as a kid. Like I was scared. I, I just haven't, I'm, <laughs> I have anxiety. I'm scared of a lot of things. And it's not that I'm like afraid to like leave my house or whatever, especially with spontaneous combustion. That wouldn't even matter. But like, you have never, we talked about this, I think, when we did our like meet Tori and Nick episode, like yeah. our little teaser promo for this we talked a little bit about like our history of you know the x-files and you know what we enjoyed you know i talked about my kolchak stuff and you talked about unsolved mysteries with spooky robert stack who for me was like ultra magnus in the transformers movie but anyway but you have never seen episodes of in search of with leonard nimoy correct i don't think so i like leonard nimoy a lot i don't think i've ever seen that and i was really so the year after I went to an X-Files convention, I went to a Star Trek I mean, Trek these convention. were before you were born, technically. Right. No, so. but, so I went to the Star Trek convention with my mom, who's a big Star Trek fan, and my brother, and, you know, Jesse, the same friend, and a couple other friends. And we, we didn't meet them, but we saw William Shatner, DeForest Kelly, and Leonard Nimoy on stage, and they, like, mm-hmm. talked and stuff. And then, like, I bought Spock's, I bought Spock, I bought Leonard Nimoy's, like, CDs, and I bought his book about like his, i his his music ones like yeah his, like, no and then he, he has one like okay. mr spock's music from outer space and then i bought i am spock which is the book that he wrote after i am not spock and it talks about like directing star trek 4 and the making of star trek 4 which is like my favorite star trek movie so like i was super into leonard nimoy stuff so i'm kind of surprised i've never seen in search of but i don't think i've ever seen it I almost want to see, I, they've got to be available out there. I don't know if it's probably like there's all on YouTube or if you can like buy them on like, you know, a box set, like on DVD or whatever. Yeah. I almost feel like maybe we should have like a separate special <laughs> That'd be fun. where we just watch In Search Of. Because like, I love that show when I was a kid. I love watching oh, In man. Search Of. And then like the Arthur C. Clarke show. I think the Arthur C. Clarke one though, I think I might have watched more in the 90s because it was on discovery science channel back when discovery had all their all their different channels you know they had like discovery science discovery animals and yeah. that kind of stuff and they ran that and like the connections with james burke and i think they ran in search of too but i remember watching in search of when it was like on tv in the 70s because i was a little kid nice and i loved that show that's where i think i developed my love for like just that kind of weird paranormal stuff. Yeah, I'd be so. down to watch that because I, I love Leonard Nimoy and I love weird stuff like that, obviously. So that sounds right up my alley. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm actually surprised that. that I haven't seen it, but I don't I mean, think I have. mean, we talked about how you need to watch The Night Stalker. I know. There's so, we need to do so many like side projects. Like, we got to stop recording yeah. two episodes a week so we can record one episode and then something else. <laughs> So we'll still record two episodes a week, is what you're saying. It's only one will be only one will be. Uh, I want to rewatch totally the next podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that, let's shut this puppy down. All right. I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Research for this episode includes X Files Confidential, The Unauthorized X Files Companion by Ted Edwards. X marks the spot. On Location with the X-Files by Louisa Gradnitzer and Todd Pitson. The Truth is Out There, the official guide to the X-Files by Brian Lowry. And Wanting to Believe, a critical guide to the X-Files, Millennium, and the Lone Gunman by Robert Shearman. Episode production, editing, and mixing is by Lazy End Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to help us improve the podcast and reach more listeners. 
You can find us at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or simply head over to I want to rewatch.com. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We are at rewatch X files and on Instagram where I want to rewatch. You can also email us at I want to rewatch at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash I want to rewatch. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like the X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode 12, Fire. And try to figure out if the, the truth, truth is, is still, still out there. there. We did have two weeks with no X Files. Yeah, what happened there? Or, di- or or did we? I don't know. Are you not looking at the page that has the information for you to say? Oh my gosh, I didn't know it. Kept- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it kept going. <laughs> I just saw it's broken up on the next page. I didn't know it kept going. Oh my god. Oh. I'm like waiting. I'm like, she's really going with this improv stuff, but man, okay, let's let's wrap it up. Let's get to the. (laughs) (laughs) Here, I totally didn't. (laughs) Okay, he's here. Okay, um. Yeah, I didn't have any idea. I was like, what is he talking about? Where is he getting all this? Like, how many more hints can I drop? Let's get to it. What was on? Okay. <laughs> so much- <laughs> Sorry, I just need to like, whoo, take a breath. Holy crap, I totally okay. did not see that at all. And I was like, I didn't know what you were talking about. And I was like, oh. I expected you to say, oh, yeah, it was because of this. And so I was just waiting. No, that was your line. Oh, I was, oh, I was gotcha. giving you that stuff. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Teenage Mutant Ninja. I love that movie. I've never seen it. <laughs> Sorry. I'm blowing my nose. <laughs> oh, my God. going to, like, choke to death. Because, like, <laughs> 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 Jesus. Wow. Today's going to be wild. <laughs>